Hello and welcome to Science Matters, the podcast of the Georgia Tech College of Sciences. I'm Renee San Miguel. The next time you watch sports on your flat screen TV or on your smartphone, you can thank Georgia Tech scientists. Not for the action on the field, but for the technology behind that screen. After all, not even a Nobel Prize winning physicist can keep a quarterback from throwing an interception. Georgia Tech researchers in physics, chemistry, and material sciences have sparked winning advances over the years in photonics and optoelectronics, which involve the study of light. These are the sciences that bring you those crystal clear images on large and small screens, specifically thanks to semiconductors called light-emitting diodes, or LEDs. They are also the sciences that get the attention of Carlos Silva, professor in the School of Physics and in the School of Chemistry and Biochemistry. His research group is looking for the next generation of semiconductors and studying new advanced materials as a way to turn light into energy and energy into light. Yes, I think that Georgia Tech has been a a leader in in many technologies that are associated with optoelectronics, namely displays, uh, solar cells, uh, photovoltaics, detectors, and so on, in a very wide range of materials. Mm The area of research that I'm uh, involved in and that I know most about at Georgia Tech involves uh, so-called organic and hybrid uh, optoelectronics. For our purposes, organic simply means molecules containing carbon, like carbon-based polymers or plastics. Their properties can be modified in specific ways to achieve specific effects. They are typically easier to process than inorganic materials. Hybrid means a combination of organic and inorganic materials. Typical semiconductors are complex inorganic materials, such as gallium arsenide, which Silva will mention later. And so they are attractive because being molecular materials, they can be tuned by chemical design, by chemical synthesis. Mm -hmm. And that's where there has been very world-leading activity here at Georgia Tech. Silva is searching for less expensive, more energy efficient, and more environmentally safe materials in the semiconductors that go into devices. Silva and his team are working to realize new applications that could include better and cheaper solar cells, wearable electronics, biomedical sensors inside our bodies, or spacesuit fabrics that can help astronauts monitor radiation as they explore a distant world. Using lasers and spectroscopy, that is, using light to study matter, Silva's team studies what happens to certain particles when you overload them with energy, what are called excited states. The excitement for Silva is that some of those applications have already resulted in cost benefits. There has been a lot of interest in the last few years for photodetectors, ranging from specific wavelength detectors, specific color detectors, to uh, solar cells. And, Mm -hmm. And there is... Now uh, a renewed drive to achieve uh, organic or plastic solar cells. The efficiencies of these devices have been creeping up Mm -hmm. to the point where now they're competitive with other technologies. They're cheap to produce, they're cheap to run. Really the flexibility that the material platform provides is is one of the main advantages. Flexibility in terms of uh, spectral range, which colors are being absorbed by the material Mm -hmm. and how that energy is being transformed to electrical power is something that is on the one hand complex on the other hand provides opportunities for 
for new uh, applications. By transforming that energy to power, Silva may open the door to a new class of semiconductor materials. As mentioned earlier, photonics is the study of light, how it's generated, detected, and manipulated. Optoelectronics is a subset of photonics in that it refers to light-emitting or detecting devices. A lot of brain power from Georgia Tech colleges and schools goes into developing the next generation of materials used in those disciplines. Your website, the lab website, says you and your researchers, quote, think of our work as a linear combination of physical chemistry, condensed matter physics, materials physics, and materials chemistry. Can you elaborate? What do these four disciplines allow you to do here? Yes, well, one of the interesting aspects is that these disciplines are not by any means very well delineated. Mm -hmm. and, and, uh, and that they are delineated in um, curriculum, perhaps, in, in disciplinary listings in universities, but not in world-class research. And so that, that is one of the uh, aspects where, as you mentioned, Georgia Tech is, is, is extremely strong. And, and in fact, it, I, I moved here one and a half years ago. One of the reasons why I wanted to move to Georgia Tech is because interdisciplinary and multidisciplinary research is not just um, allowed or tolerated or accepted, but it is the way of life at Georgia Tech, which is, it's encouraged. And this is a very important aspect in, in materials research. Materials research, materials science is, is, is a very multidisciplinary area mm -hmm. where if individual groups and individual expertise is part of a a contribution for a broader uh, outcome and 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 you really need to have different expertise different different groups with different techniques and background working together our group is, has chemists has physicists has uh, material scientists mm -hmm. in, in working in conjunction in a way where everybody brings in a very specific expertise and, and, and interest and contributes to bigger objectives. This is, this is how our group operates, and this is also how we pick our problems. That interest includes, as we mentioned, so-called excited states, when particles are exposed to more energy than they're used to. Light, heat, electricity, any kind of energy. How do materials change when their particles are in excited states? Silva's group uses ultra-fast spectroscopy and quantum optics, that is, how materials react to light on the subatomic level, to understand the optical and electronic properties of semiconductor materials. Those include certain promising hybrid materials, meaning they are in part made of organic molecules. Mainly the, the, the advantages of these materials stem from the fact that they are uh, low energy consumption in their, in their, in their production. Mm -hmm. And so the, the the devices themselves are not not fully but largely fabricated by low energy methods. The fact that they are molecular means that there's ample opportunity for tuning of their properties, the color, the efficiency by which they absorb light, mm -hmm. the way they absorb light. Uh, there's a lot of flexibility in chemical design. 
Okay. So when somebody sees, they go to Best Buy and they see a monitor that says OLED, organic light emitting diodes, that's what we're talking about there. Is something that was found that, in that, is, that is one example. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of the important conceptual development in the field that leads to these devices stems from work at Georgia Tech. Okay. And largely led by the Center for Organic Photonics and Electronics. That center, known by its acronym COPE, is part of Georgia Tech's STAMI, or the Center for the Science and Technology of Advanced Materials and Interfaces. Silva is COPE's co-director. Its members study what happens when certain liquids, foams, gels, liquid crystals, and other substances are subjected to stimuli like electricity, light, heat, or chemicals. Imagine artificial retinas made of semiconducting polymers that connect to your eye's neurons and improve vision. A host of applications like that, ranging from health and medicine to engineering and manufacturing, could result from the Silva Group's research. There are non-traditional applications, for example, organic materials, particularly polymers being plastic, Mm -hmm. means that they have mechanical advantages that traditional materials may not have. So people talk about wearable electronics Mm -hmm. and flexible electronics and printable electronics. And these are all opportunities that these materials provide. A a major telephone, a smartphone maker just came out with a a screen that folds. Are we talking about that kind of technology going in there? That that is one of the platforms that is certainly amenable to these technologies. And my understanding is is that organic materials are, are used in some of these applications. Professors love metaphors, and so do students, because usually they make it easier to understand complex scientific concepts. For Silva, a dancing metaphor comes in handy to explain unusual behavior that could lead to more powerful and versatile semiconductors. Silva uses dance to talk about hybrid organic-inorganic perovskites or HOIPs. These are layered mixes of organic and inorganic materials with intriguing electrical properties and can be cheaply made. Remember those excited states we talked about earlier? When you add energy to an electron, the electron jumps to a new energy level in the atom. The space it left is called an electron hole. That hole, believe it or not, becomes a dance partner, if you will, of the original electron. They join forces to become a new particle called an exciton. This is where the dance really kicks in. Silva says the excitons can leave their atoms and dance with excitons from other atoms. You can have many electrons and many holes dancing in a very close-knit choreography. They dance very closely and very very uh, precisely together mm-hmm. in this environment that is very noisy. And so, so these lattices, these semiconductors are very different from traditional semiconductors in that way. You can Think of them as opposed to a very calm beach. It's a very, uh, very noisy earthquake in Mexico City, yeah. and and that 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 would be the comparison between these materials and let's say a gallium arsenide semiconductor, and and in spite of that, the energy by which the electrons and the holes interact in in a in a multi-particle way is much higher than you find, for example, in gallium arsenide. So very strong electronic correlations in spite of the fact that they're 
dancing in the, on, on an earthquake. Gotcha. So, uh, I, I'm kind of picturing uh, two couples doing a beautiful slow wall, or a couple doing a beautiful slow waltz while everybody's doing a polka and the chicken dance and everything yeah. around them. Yes, imagine imagine a group of uh, of ten salsa dancer doing a, dancers doing a perfect choreography in 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 uh, in an, on an earthquake as opposed to. <laughs> To um, a polka dance, or or let's let's get more extreme. Let's say body slamming. <laughs> on a, yeah, on, yeah. On a on a very tranquil surface. Absolutely, <laughs> punk rock bands playing, yes. everybody storing themselves at each other. But here are these couples just slowly gyrating in the yes. middle. Yes. Why does it matter that those exitons are dancing calmly to their own tune in the midst of all that chaos? That's the part that excites Silva because it can mean a faster conversion to energy than is possible with traditional semiconductors. When you were a little kid, were you, you know, dissecting frogs when everybody else was going, no? Or were you like, did you have a chemistry set? Was there something that, that your folks saw in you as a kid? That yes. Said, yeah, I, he's heading in that direction. Well, I don't know that they knew what direction I was heading in, but they certainly recognized that I was highly inquisitive. I did things that would be highly experimental. For example, I ate a scorpion once because that was a, that was an experiment. I, Eating a scorpion is an experiment. You could say that, yeah. I, 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 I dissected a, a live wire once with scissors because that was an experiment. And, and so there, there, are, there, there were signs in my, in my childhood that... Uh, that were pointing to to kind of a scientific method. I would say. imagine, but maybe like you know, experiment on something else besides your own yeah. body. Yes. <laughs> did you get sick from eating a scorpion? No, it turns out I did not. So, so oh, was, yeah. uh, I, I tell my son that my son really loves Spider Man, and I said that I'm I'm probably Scorpion Man. What is it that that drives you to come to work every day and not see it as work? And see it as you know. Yes. I'm researching something that could really help humanity. No, I'm absolutely fascinated by the applications and the context of the applications, and, and that is a very important driving force. Mm -hmm. I'm also fascinated by the process of doing science, and and I'm have never ceased to be excited about the process of being of doing science, and that just being able to put the two together is really what what I would say is a privilege as a, as a scientist and a scientist at Georgia Tech. So I, I'm definitely very much an experimentalist, and I get just joy out of just doing experiments, and that is that is something that I always have uh, enjoyed, mm -hmm. and I enjoy doing experiments that have a, a real context in in both a scientific problem, and being part of the the puzzle to to come up with new technologies. Yeah. So all of that is, is exciting. And that's, that's really what, uh, what I think I will never stop uh, you know, being excited about. The American Physical Society elected Carlos Silva one of its 2019 fellows for his work using ultra-fast lasers in his optoelectronics research. I thank Carlos Silva for his time and encourage you to check out his lab's website at www.chemistry.gatech.edu slash Silva, S-I-L-V-A. Cyan Joe, a former research associate with the School of Psychology, composed our theme music. If you like Science Matters, please subscribe. 
We're on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. This is Science Matters, the podcast of the Georgia Tech College of Sciences. I'm Renee San Miguel. Thank you for listening.